Welcome back to Eric J. Writes. On this episode, we'll be talking about short stories, carving out time to write, and my two weeks in Afghanistan. Let's go! All right, let's start off with the short stories. So, I wanted to bring up short stories because I don't think they get enough love. And uh, everybody always goes towards novels or series. And short stories are great for readers. They're a great uh, little short snippet of a story or a really short idea that you can just read and, you know, instead of reading in chunks, it's a one, one kind of deal. On your commute to work or home, if you take mass transit, don't read while driving. But if you take the subway or the light rail or the bus or whatever, uh, it's just a great way to get, you know, a quick little read. If you have like a 10, 20 minute commute, that's easily, you know, a good short story right there so that you're not left hanging like, oh, crap, uh, I'm reading this, you know, chapter book and I'm on in the middle of a chapter and it's really exciting or really riveting and I got to stop because I'm here at work or wherever. Not that that's a bad thing, but with short stories, you know, you get that story done, you're like, man, I'm so glad I completed it. It's, I'm satisfied, I'm happy with the story. I wish there was a little more detail probably, and we'll get to that. Uh, But you had an enjoyable time reading it, and you're not stuck in the middle of it, you know. Oh shoot, I gotta wait till my lunch break to finish it, or man, I gotta wait till my ride home to find out what happens next. Uh, but uh, for, for writers, short stories, like, so we'll start with this. I know as a writer, you want to start with your great novel, your, your opus, your, you know, great symphony of whatever, but you got to learn to walk before you run and you got to practice a lot of stuff before you can implement it in your novel. And I... We'll take the short story I wrote as an example. So I wrote a short story. It was kind of an exercise for myself to see if I could write a character uh, that didn't have emotions, but that displayed emotion-like behavior. So it was a robot that didn't have emotions programmed into its software, but it had learned behavior because of its owner. It learned things like love, compassion, frustration, anger. It had seen these things, um, you know, acted out through its owner. And so it in turn learned what that looked like and tried to emulate it as best as possible. I published it to Amazon, a little bit of a plug. If you want to go read it, it's called Reboot by Eric Hagland. It's on Amazon. Uh, It's just a dollar, you know, if you wanted to do it. If not, don't worry about it. Uh, but I'll just use it as an example. So it's under 10,000 words. It's like 9,700 words or something. I don't remember. Real short read. But it it spans a good little while. And I use um, recorded memories in the robot's mind as, as flashbacks to kind of fill in blanks of what's going on. Because it's a post-apocalyptic book. Or ugh, post-apocalyptic short story. 
and so I, I wanted to implement the idea of trying to write a character like that. It was an exercise, and uh, I feel like it worked out really well. I, I liked it. You know, looking back, it could have probably used more polishing, but I just really wanted to get it published, and I was excited to get it done. So with short story writing, it's a great place to practice ideas, practice difficult ideas that you are really having a hard time figuring out how to get down on paper or let's say you are working on a larger piece like a novel and you want to throw some idea in there but you don't know how it would work in the middle of all your other writing write a short story involving those characters or that scene that you want to add and see how it flows um, but practice it numerous times in different ways don't you know don't just do it once and say, oh, you know what, I like this, let's throw it in. Really try and weave it in. It may be just a one-off short story, but try and tie it into your main work in progress somehow. Short story writing is also a great way to practice how to be brief, uh, because a lot of people just want to throw as much detail as possible in or use a ton of words. Brevity is key especially in short story writing, but also carry it with you to your main novel or work in progress uh, or your series, whatever you're writing. Bre brevity is something that I aspire to a lot, and just keep it brief, short, and sweet. You know, there's always exceptions when you want to be a little bit more detailed or have a little bit more vocabulary in there. Uh, but I've always enjoyed when writers write a scene and they capture everything that they need possible to set the scene and they don't use paragraph after paragraph but that you know exactly what's going on within a couple sentences that is stellar writing to me and you know it doesn't have to cut down on the size of your novel that just means you have more room to add if any more ideas you have uh, but with short story writing, if you have a controversial idea or you want to practice a style of writing or a way to write something out, short stories are a great way to do that because you're not investing a ton of time into it. You're just, uh, you know, doing your 5,000 words, 10,000 words, whatever, and then it's done. And you can look back on it and see progression or see, you know, how did I work that in or how did I write that? You can go back and see it, and you're like, oh, that's how I did it. Um, so, short story writing is just, it's really fun, I think, because you can crank out a ton of ideas and not spend a ton of time on it, and just really enjoy and really work your writing muscle. You know, I've always, I'm going to always give my seal of approval to short stories. There's a lot of uh, authors out there that, like Ray Bradbury, did a ton of short stories. Um, my favorite book ever, The Martian Chronicles, is a collection of short stories with a single theme. And H.P. Lovecraft did a ton of short stories. Um, I think one of his most popular is The Call of Cthulhu. It's only like 40 pages long. And creepy story. If you have a chance, check it out. Um, Ray Bradbury's Illustrated Man is a group of short stories in one book. So, 
can even turn it into a book like they like they do. Um, so anyway, short stories, awesome stuff, you know, top shelf gold gold writing exercises right there. Um, I want to talk about carving out time to write. So if you're just starting as a writer and you have a lot going on in your life. And, but you really are passionate about starting to write and wanting to learn or even, you know, getting anything down on paper. Carving out time to write can be difficult, but I'll give you this challenge. Let's say that you meet a special someone that you want to spend more time with and you choose to carve out time. You are choosing to not do this and instead spend time with that person same with writing you're choosing not to do something to spend time writing I know you probably already know this but just kind of sending the point home you know if it's really something you want to get get done and you want to really learn and grow and practice a lot you will find time you'll make time and you know take some other activities like oh you know what on Mondays and Wednesdays I'll take an hour writing and like I said in, in other casts it doesn't have to be a long time five ten minutes a day half an hour every other day whatever you can get in as long as you carve out time because writing isn't going to get any better just like working out you're not going to get any better unless you do it uh it's probably an easy you know common sense one but sometimes we forget about it and uh really make time if you really need to set a schedule and work it in your day, like at four o'clock, I have to spend half an hour writing and tell your family if it's, you know, or whatever time, set an alarm, set a timer, say, okay, nobody bother me from four to four 30. I'm going to sit down and write. Maybe that's what you have to do. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was my two weeks in Afghanistan. So I went with the church back in 2007 uh, in later October and it was we were meeting some missionary workers there they work with a non-government organization NGO and they teach Afghanis uh, English computer skills and uh, general like skills to you know have a better life or work and it was such a fantastic trip. I'd only ever been, like I said, I grew up in Europe, in Italy. I'd been to Bahamas for a church missions trip for like a week. I'd been to Mexico for a week building, uh, repainting a church and kind of sprucing it up for them. And I'd been to Canada, Toronto. But I'd never been to a a fully Muslim country. And it was such a, a culture shock, obviously. And we spent a day in Dubai because we I don't know if we missed our flight or canceled I forget but we spent a whole day in Dubai and we walked around and we managed to get clothes at least the guys managed to get some clothes that were Afghani style so we got to go in and already have clothing instead of having to go shop around while we were there um, which uh, by the way are super comfortable they're like giant pajamas. <clears throat> so flying into Kabul, and it's it's an, you know regular airport, but 
everything is just not like I don't know how to explain it there's no stoplights <laughs> I didn't see a single fire truck but there was fire hydrants so I don't even know if they worked um, it's just chaos driving I don't even know how they get around they the joke is if your car doesn't have a horn it's undrivable because you rely on that horn to let people know where you are and to get through and it's just a, a weird you know crazy way of getting around town which the missionary worker knew what to do and so I was like bless you for <laughs> driving so patiently and safely through all this chaos um, so it was we went during Ramadan which is the Muslim holiday the big holiday and we finished they finished and it was Eid so we got to celebrate with them and we got to go to a couple different houses and the way Kabul works they don't have uh, electricity 24-7 which sounds crazy because it's a capital of a country I'm positive the government offices and hospitals have power 24-7 but homes they normally give them power at like 10 p.m. and shut it off sometime during the middle of the night I'm not sure but during Eid they turned it on all day and from like 10 a.m. till night or something so can't really store anything in the fridge uh, where am I going with this sorry <laughs> so we got to celebrate with them you know uh, we got to get naan which is their bread that they make and eat with a bunch of different families and they made piles of food and remind you that these aren't very rich families obviously they're poor and for them to get this much food for us is a huge thing. And there was two huge mountains of rice pilaf. These, like, potato pancake things. Like, whole, like, chicken thighs that they had roasted. Just delicious food. That was so yummy. And these fun little almonds that they have. I guess the almonds grow in the northern part of Afghanistan. But the concentration of cyanide in them, because all almonds have cyanide in them, concentration in these ones were a little higher. And when I crunched on them, uh, my tongue went numb. And I talked to the missionary worker. I'm like, why is my tongue getting numb? He's like, oh, those are the almonds. They grow up north, and they have just a little bit more cyanide than normal. I'm like, oh, okay. And I kept eating them. So <laughs> they were tasty. What am I going to say? Plus, you can't deny food when you're in a, someone's house. They will get offended. Anyway, uh, so obviously this city, uh, houses are in like back alleys. The, there's an open sewer line in the middle, so it kind of stinks. And it's just people everywhere, you know, shops all up and down the streets. And they they pray five times a day and you hear the mosque call to prayer and they do these things they do the prayers they go to the mosque but they don't like it because when they see the Taliban doing these things and hurting them and taking their families and destroying their city and they say this is for Islam they don't like it but that's all they know and so they pray because that's all they know. They go to the mosque because that's all they know. 
and they don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to get hurt. Now, when we were there, it was a calmer time. You know, uh, things were a lot more chill. I mean, there was still a military presence, but we didn't run into anybody. You know, it's just, it's sad. But it was a lovely time. Um, I'll make it positive, don't worry. So, uh, on a trip we took just outside of Kabul, we went into the mountains. I forget the city's name. Uh, but they had a hydroelectric plant that ran through this river next to this hotel we stayed in. So this village had 24-7 power because of this hydroelectric plant that this, these missionaries built. And so they built this hotel. And we stayed there uh, for a night in the mountains. It was gorgeous. <clears throat> so there's no light pollution. And that night we sat on the roof and we just looked at the sky. And we could see everything. It was so majestic. And the next morning, it was freezing cold. I was like in the low 40s, 30s in the night. And so we woke up and we started hiking up the mountain. And uh, I, we got to a spot and I said, you know what, I'm going to chill here. Because I wanted to hang out by this little creek and enjoy the surrounding nature. Well, I started seeing a sheep and a goat come up side of the mountain and I see more sheep and goats and like a whole flock of them like a sheep a herd a sheep herd what what am I trying to say here? Uh, a whole group of them and then this boy comes up he looks like he's 12 or 13 and he sees me and we're just like oh wow this is weird I didn't expect anybody to come up and he probably didn't expect me the six foot tall white guy in business casual to be up here on the mountain and he talks to me in Dari which is one of the languages spoken in Afghanistan I don't know what he's saying, he doesn't know what I'm saying but he sees my camera strap and he wants to take pictures and I figure that out so I take pictures of him and his animals he takes pictures of me with his animals I got to feed them and hold them uh, funny tangent on our way back we had to sign these like customs forms and on the sheet it said have you touched any livestock and everybody was like, no, 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 no. Gets to me, and I'm like, yes. Yes, I did. I held a goat, and I pet a bunch of sheep, and <laughs> nothing happened. But it was just like, dang, ordinarily I'd totally say no. <laughs> so we're sitting on this mountain, and he says, I don't know what he's saying, obviously, but he manages, I follow him down the side over here where it's real gravelly, and we slide down the mountain. I don't know why we went down this way and not the way we came up, but I find my friends and this, uh, the missionary worker is able to translate and he says his name's Moel and, uh, they had been talking to their guide, I forget his name, I, I, it was a bunch of years ago, okay, and they had asked if he had had a dream of a man in white. And the guide said yes, but he doesn't like to talk about it because he's scared. And they asked the kid, and he said yes, but he was real scared and didn't want to talk about it. And we, on our missions trip, kind of interpreted it as having dreams of Jesus. Which is super fascinating if, you know, you believe in Christ. It's, he's coming to them in their dreams because 
no presence there that you know pe people there to talk to them about Christ. The missionaries stayed for a while, but then I don't know if they went to another region or what, but their time there, building the hotel and the hydroelectric plant, they obviously talked to the villagers about Christ. And here they are dreaming about a man in white. And I know they're scared because it's not, you know, something... It goes against some of their beliefs, but how amazing is that for that to happen? And for this whole experience... Um, it was a beautiful country. You just got to know where to look. And the people were beautiful. Uh, no matter what you, you know, the media says or what other people say. Uh, real quick. Also, we got to spend some time in this family. Um, so a while back in the 70s, Russia invaded Afghanistan. And we got to see this palace, the Darulaman Palace, that is bombed to heck and back. There is mortar shell holes, gunshot holes everywhere and there's a kind of like a valley in between two mountains and that's kind of like a where the Russians came in with their tanks and that is also where Alexander the Great came in when he invaded so it's kind of a important stronghold and choke point but this building was bombed like it was done and one of the people we met actually fought with the Russians um, I'm not sure if the Russians were coming in to make Afghanistan a better place and the Mujahideen, the rebel fighters were against any kind of invasion I'm, I'd have to read up on it a little more I don't have such a great memory anyway, it was cool to hear his story and how the Russians thought he was on the rebel side and they were bombing him as he was running away even though he was fighting for the Russians they don't know uh, but it's just uh, crazy stories like that and a wonderful experience. You know, I, I'll finish with this. Don't assume everything about people. And I know it's been said over and over and it's nothing new. But really find out everything you can before you make a judgment. Find out what's going on in people's lives. Really... You know, I mean, usually it's none of your business. But if someone's at face value, if you see someone at face value and make a judgment and say, I don't like this person because of X, Y, Z, you have no idea what's going on in their life. So if, you know, before you pass judgment, seek out the truth. Um, just don't assume, you know, anything about someone until you really get to know them. So I'll say it was a wonderful trip, and it will last with me forever, even though I forget bits and pieces of it. And uh, I hope you have a great week, and stay tuned. Uh, I have a lot coming, uh, coming your way. Thanks.